on Dega Corbe ended up in the modest flat of a reclusive 81-year-old named Cornelius Gerlitt is an epic and tragic saga. It begins with Gerlitt's father, Hildebrand, a philandering art dealer caught between two worlds, that of the art he loved and the Nazis who employed him during the war as a member of the Commission for the Exploitation of Degenerate Art. He convinced Jewish collectors to sell him their priceless art for next to nothing in the expectation that this would enable them to save themselves. As the German government sorts through the massive collection piece by piece, contributing editor Alex Shumatov discovers, in The Devil and the Art Dealer, that the case is inflamed a wound in the nation's psyche that is never quite healed and never may. Notions of terrifying evil, political intrigue, and the rise and fall of ruthless dictators are certainly not confined to Germany of the 1930s and 1940s. They are the same elements that make for compelling fictional entertainment. Our cover story this month looks at HBO's Game of Thrones as it enters its fourth season. The sprawling fantasy saga is now the network's signature production. It may soon eclipse The Sopranos in popularity. As contributing editor Jim Wendolf reveals in The Gathering Storm, the show is just based on author George R.R. R. Martin's epic series, A Song of Ice and Fire, survived a botched pilot and a writer's strike to become perhaps the most talked about show on television. It has nearly doubled its viewership since debuting in 2011, and in what must elicit conflicting reactions from its creators, it is the most illegally downloaded TV show. In the wake of one of the most sensational seasonal climaxes ever, last year's Red Wedding episode, in which the show continued its course of killing off major characters in brutal fashion, its ratings will no doubt climb further. Though Game of Thrones has a loyal cult following, its most obsessive fan may just be the leader of the free world, who, according to the show's executive producers, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, gets sent early copies of new episodes saving President Obama the humiliation of illegally downloading them. The biggest concern about the series, Wendolf writes, is that Weiss and Benioff may be on the verge of catching up with Martin's still-in-progress series of novels. When asked point-blank about this issue, Martin simply says, yes, it's alarming. In his superb book, Are We Rome?, editor-at-large Cullen Murphy described how the outsourcing of military duties became one of the numerous factors in the decline of empire. It's a lesson few nations have learned, and in any case, like the Romans, they often have no choice. Indeed, the outsourcing of muscle has become a mammoth global business, and it's not just on the battlefield. Perhaps you need to protect your offshore oil rigs, or you need someone to run your country's prison system, or service your bank's cash machines. Increasingly, the place to call is G4S, the largest company you've never heard of. As international correspondent William Langevisha writes in The Chaos Company, G4S is far and away the leader of the pack in the field of global security services, one of the world's great growth industries. Operating largely under the radar, G4S has emerged as the third largest private sector employer on the planet, after Walmart and the electronics manufacturer Foxconn. Its 620,000 employees represent a force three times the size of Britain's military. More and more, its business is done in what are euphemistically called complex environments, war zones. The London-based firm works for an astonishing range of clients. It is beyond ideology, beyond anything you'd call an agenda. The transaction is a fundamental one, fee for service. In today's chaotic world, where national governments and national armies are stretched to the limit, there are plenty of services to provide and very big fees to reap.
When Langevish set out to write about G4S, he took as his starting point the world's newest nation, South Sudan, where the government is a joke and the security needs are anything but. Specifically, the company has been given the job, paid for it by the UN, of clearing vast areas riddled with ordnance that have been scattered by a confusing array of combatants. It is an endless and dangerous task. Langevish's introduction to South Sudan was marked by an explosion in the village marketplace the result of children handling live ordnance that left five people dead. As he set up with G4S demining units into the countryside, South Sudan was palpably collapsing once again into bloody ethnic strife. The situation is now ratcheted into civil war. The G4S team, consisting of mostly of former soldiers from Britain and South Africa, found itself in the crossfire. But then, complex environments are where the business is. No one foresees a shortage.